for joining us today on episode number 72 of the Real Life Runners podcast. We ran the Key West Half Marathon last weekend, and there's a lot of lessons and takeaways that we got. I'm going to talk a lot about running by feel and by effort level. Kevin's going to talk about his victory as the first place winner of the Key West Half Marathon. So hang tight. We got a lot of good stuff in this one. This is the Real Life Runners Podcast, and we're your hosts, Kevin and Angie Brown. Thanks for spending some time with us today. Now let's get running. Hey, hey, Mr. Champion. Hey, how you doing? <laughs> so if you guys follow us on social media, you I'm sure know by now that Kevin won first place in the Key West Half Marathon this last weekend. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you very much. so proud of you. Yeah, it was, uh, it was a pretty awesome race. I was pretty remarkably proud of you, too. You had quite the amazing performance yourself. Yeah, I, I'm very happy and proud of myself I as well. dropped way more time than, uh, than I think you were expecting going into the thing. I did, yeah. I definitely had a PR in mind, um, but leading up to this race and all the situation going around, we're going to talk about all this today but yes i i dropped a six minute pr which, which was, is insane yeah it was awesome it was awesome so let's start off with you because i know a lot of people have been following your story and how exciting this was as some of our listeners know this was your first major race back after your series of seizures in 2017 so i didn't cover ma any major race in 2018 no, no you didn't. nothing beyond a 5k nothing beyond a 5k yeah so this was like a big deal there was a lot leading up to this race we were going down there with over 30 people it was a huge group of people it was our first real life runners destination race i've been you know working with the race director to kind of get some entries and swag and different things so there was just a lot of build up to the race we were bringing our kids with us so it was a family vacation on top of everything there was a lot of birthdays there was a, there was we a were, lot of build up yeah i mean a lot of friends had birthdays that we were celebrating there was just a lot going into this race and then obviously being your first race back i'm sure there was a lot of pressure and expectations that you had for yourself on how this was going to go I mean, I had a decent amount of pressure on myself. And then, like you said, we travel with a group of uh, a pretty decent sized group. And the fact that most of them were like, so are you going to try and win it tomorrow? Yeah. Or not even are you going to try. They would just say, so are you winning it tomorrow? <laughs> yeah, it was kind of an expectation. <laughs> like, oh, good. No, no pressure on this one. And you never know who's going to show up at one of these races. Yeah. Like, like Sarah Hall won it a few years ago. Like this, yeah. there, there are some very impressive runners that have come down and done this thing. Mm -hmm. You know, it's a it's a beautiful course. Mm -hmm. Like it's a pancake flat course mm -hmm. in Key West. Like there you, was a mini bridge in it there, like right before the turnaround. <laughs> I was like, this is not flat. <laughs> I know. I, I yelled at the guy on the bike. I said, you said it was a flat course. <laughs> it was, it was it an was incline like, of like three feet. It was so <laughs> tiny, but it was still a little bridge. Yeah. Um, but you, you drive into Key West and the sign says, Welcome to Paradise, USA. Mm -hmm. And all week long, it had literally been paradise. Uh, the gorgeous you know, weather was perfect. Checking the weather all week, it was like it was low 60s, upper 50s every single morning all week long. No, it was in the 70s. Not when you woke up. Not at like what would have been oh. race start time. It was oh, like okay. low 60s and it would rise into the 70s all week long. Mm -hmm. And then, and then you'd look at the extended forecast and it was like, what well, was going to actually happen on Saturday and Sunday? Yeah. And there was thunderstorms. <laughs> it was, first it was just going to be hot as heck. It was, it Saturday was, be, was like, hot. 76 degrees. It was the, Saturday was the hottest day of the entire week. Mm -hmm. And then that the heat was immediately followed by thunderstorms and winds in the mid twenties. Right. And so like when we started checking the weather, like a couple weeks ahead of time, we're like, oh, it's okay. Weathermen are always wrong. No offense <laughs> if you're a weatherman, but let's, let's hope that you're actually really wrong again. But uh, for some reason, this was the one they got right. Spot on. Nailed it. <laughs> Thunderstorms yeah. arrived at 7 o'clock when yeah. the race was supposed to begin. Right. So the night before, we went to bed and we hadn't heard anything. And so we woke up at 5 a.m. like we planned and... We're checking our email and there was nothing. And then the email came through at 5.09 a.m. saying that the race had been pushed back to um, 9 o'clock because it was originally a 7 o'clock start time. So it said the race will now begin at 9 o'clock because they've been consulting with the National Weather Service and there's two bands of 
terrible weather that are supposed to come through and one's supposed to hit at seven and the other one's supposed to hit at eight thirty. So we're pushing this the race back to nine. So I immediately think to myself, well if the <laughs> second band's supposed to hit at eight thirty, how in the world are we gonna start a race at nine o'clock? I pull up the radar and the first band was really narrow. Yeah. Like it was gonna hit at seven, it was gonna be done at like seven twenty, seven thirty maybe. And the second band was sort of like wide and scattered and it was mm-hmm. gonna be like eight thirty and then last for a little while and it yeah. was gonna be like choppy and nasty thicker (laughs) yes it looked at the time like it had less thunderstorms in it but it looked it looked like it was not going to be real nice weather at all yeah so it's so we went back to bed yeah so we went back to bed i stopped chewing because i would already like in on the two-hour warning i started eating breakfast first i put a big giant slice into my finger because i tried to cut into a bagel that was a couple days old with a dull knife and just sliced off a chunk of my finger apparently it wasn't that dull of a knife (laughs) it was you know (laughs) it wasn't a super sharp knife and it was a real tough bagel um but yeah it made a made a good chunk out of my finger so Mm. i was trying to stop bleeding from that and uh you got the email and i was like Already, I don't know, a third of the way through my bagel, you're like, stop eating breakfast. Yeah. Like, okay. Right. Time so, to go back to bed. So then we went back to bed and we woke up around, it's just, I guess it's seven. It around seven, right? Yep. Yeah. So then we we're like, okay, we're just going to push everything back for two hours. But I, at this point in time, at least in my head, I'm like, this is not going to go well. Like I just already, I'm like, okay, our previous routine is off. Our wake up is different. Our eating. Okay. We're, I'm like, okay, we can just shift it a couple hours, but shifting it a couple hours when you're starting a race at nine o'clock, you're going to be hungry if you haven't really eaten much. And then there was the weather, like the rain, the winds, like what was going to happen during this race? Like, and we, we've talked about this before, of like show up at a race controlling as much as you can possibly control. Yeah. I mean, we definitely talked, wasn't that last week? That, that was we last about? week. It's yeah. how you control pre-race anxiety is control everything you can control mm-hmm. and realize that some things are out of your control. Right. But there was a lot out of, con- out of our control, a lot. you know, and as we went back to bed and tried to sleep knowing, okay, well, we've got two hours of attempting to sleep at this point in time. Mm-hmm. I made it down for some of it at least. Yeah. I think I slept for an hour, maybe. But when we woke back up at 7, neither one of us even thought the race was actually going to start at 9. We were both like, when do you think they're actually going to start the race? Right. That's not the mind frame you want two hours before they're supposed to shoot a gun of. Yeah. "Eh, When do you think it's actually going to start? Yeah, It really throws off your pre-race routine. Right. And we had no idea what the weather was actually going to be like either because they were predicting strong winds. And so... My hopes of a PR, like I was feeling kind of bummed, to be honest, at that point, because I knew that I was capable of a PR. I came down here hoping to run that PR, and it did not look like it was setting up for that at all. No, I mean, part of part of the glory of Key West is it's basically a pancake, and it should have really nice weather. Right. It just happened that this day did not. Right. This day was set up to have terrible weather. Right. And so rather than worrying about it, because at that point there was nothing I could control. Like we were doing the best that we could. We were controlling our eating as much as we could. We were going to stick with our plan as much as we could. Like we were literally in ponchos on the starting line. There were puddles everywhere. There were, there was no warm up. I mean, usually I warm up before a race. We were literally huddling in the lobby of a hotel nearby that my friends were staying at. And there were a good, at least 50 people in that lobby just there waiting a ton for the of people. race. Yeah. When did we finally leave the lobby? Cause that's when I left you of like, well, as far as we know, it's still starting at nine. Yeah. I need to get to the starting line because I'm not going to miss the start of this race. Right. I start. I started stressing out because I felt like you were starting to freak out. Uh, I because was. <laughs> that was about. <laughs> you felt perfectly correct yeah, on that one. That was about twenty till nine. So because it's twenty minutes out, yeah. I hadn't warmed up. You were like, well, you could go to a treadmill and warm up, and I'm yeah. thinking, I'm like, I don't. It's a good idea. Like I was not going to go out in the storm and mm-hmm. warm up. You're totally right on that and your friend said well we can get into the the training room in the hotel and you can warm up there i'm like yeah but when is the race gonna start right because at this point the rain hadn't really hit the thunderstorms were still coming and neither one of us really thought the race was actually going to start at nine. Yeah. So you started, you had, you take, had to leave at that point in time because you were, you were getting very anxious. And I was like, well, just go, go do something. I'll take your gear. I'll do your gear check. So when we, when I walked over to gear check and did all that, that's when they said, okay, we're pushing the race back again till nine fifteen. And they were just like walking around telling everyone this. Yes. Yeah. They were walking around. There was a couple people with like bullhorns that were like saying it a little bit louder. Yeah. 
I I heard it again then and it was like, okay, 9.15 and was able to calm down slightly because mm-hmm. that gave me a buffer. Yeah. They moved it. So I was pretty confident 9.15 was going to be the time. And at that point, my phone was in gear check so I could no longer look at the radar. Mm-hmm. So I just trusted that they were actually going to do it. I don't yeah. know how I suddenly gave trust to the people that had pushed it and then pushed it again, yeah. but I just went with it. Right. And then I found a garage and from the garage where I was staying dry and literally looping I don't know, like 20 cars parked in the garage. That's how small the parking garage was. Just continuous loops of that. I could see the starting line. Mm-hmm. So I knew as long as I could see the starting line, I was good to go. Okay. It took it took a lot of stress off of me. Of I could see the line. Yeah. I could see um, at least one of the guys who was in the wheelchair who was going to run the race. Okay. And he looked really good. Like mm-hmm. he ended up winning the wheelchair side of the race. So I'm like, okay, I can see the starting line. This guy's still here. I'm I'm in pretty good shape. I'm not missing anything. Yeah. That took a lot of stress away from me. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, and then I was kind of with my friends at that point in time, and I was trying to find you to wish you luck, and thank goodness I did see you. Because when I first walked by the starting line, I couldn't find you. I was like, oh my gosh, where's Kevin? Yeah. Yeah, and then you were like standing there on the side. And you're like, I'm right here. I'm like, oh, okay, thank goodness. Hey there. Hi. Yeah, hi. So good luck. And so then we were walking back to the start, like to get into the the group of people like in the corral. And I mean, we made it there like five minutes before the race even started. There was a good thousand people that didn't make it to the starting line that were standing on like the opposite corner of the starting line, mm-hmm. but they had said nine fifteen, and everybody in the front was there. And yeah. so they started the race, let everybody shoot out. And then the people that were like off on a side street, they, they sent them at the back of the race. Oh, really? Oh, completely. Because when we started, if you look to the left, that was not just people there cheering for friends and family. A whole lot of those people had numbers on. Oh. There was like a thousand people off on a side street. Oh, wow. Which was fine that they didn't start on the starting line because the race was not exactly 13.1 anyway. Yeah. <laughs> well, we'll go over that later, I guess. So so starting out this race, Kevin, how'd you feel? Excuse the interruption, but I just had to pop in and let you know about an upcoming workshop that we're hosting inside the Real Life Runners Academy. If you're someone that's ever struggled with thoughts or beliefs that are getting in your way, or you think you're self-sabotaging yourself and you can't understand why you're doing things that you don't want to do or not doing things that you know you should be doing or want to be doing, this message is for you. We're hosting a special academy workshop May 14th and we're bringing in an expert in neuro-linguistic programming, Ms. Megan Blacksmith. And she's going to be teaching us how the thoughts that we have can either be helping us in our life or holding us back. And we want to invite you, our amazing podcast listeners, to join us. So you don't have to be a member of the Academy to join us this month. You can join for a small one-time fee by going over to realliferunners.com forward slash workshop. If you are a current Academy member, this and all of our monthly workshops and all experts That's all already included in your current membership. So if you are a current member, do not go to the website and repurchase because it's already included with your membership. But if you want to join just for the workshop, check it out over at realliferunners.com slash workshop today. Now back to the show. Uh, starting out the race, I, I had honestly, I'd given up on trying to figure out how fast I was going to run, which like you said, it was, it was a big downer because I haven't raced in a long time. I was very curious what I was actually going to be doing and given good conditions, mm-hmm. I thought I'd be able to get pretty close to what I could possibly Your run. PR. Yeah. Like I thought I could mm-hmm. hit near or better than my PR. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the weather looked terrible and there was a lot of people that came up to me and said, are you going to win? Are you going to try to win? Or you're going to win, right? Mm-hmm. And so then it just winning just kept kind of coming over the top of it. So yeah. within, I don't know, the opening half mile, I kind of felt out the five or six people around me in the race mm-hmm. and thought, okay, let's just try and win this thing. Mm-hmm. And you kind of dropped your idea of the time? I did. At I, that point? I dropped it pretty early in the race, which is unfortunate because I wish I had held on. Um, but I think if I if I had held on more, like I, 
looking back on it, I'm a little disappointed that I didn't push later in the the back end of the race. Mm-hmm. But the way the course Those was designed, it though. wasn't the it wasn't the winds. It was that I was weaving up again because there's an out yeah. and back course, and I was weaving through people who were still heading out as I was heading back. Yeah, and so there was a few uh, you know corners that were flooded out and things like that. Mm-hmm. But I kind of wish I had pushed harder. But you know. As much as I'm disappointed in that and wish I had tried harder for the PR, I think if I had tried, I would have missed it by like a minute instead mm-hmm. of like three minutes. Mm-hmm. And that would have been just really frustrating. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I, I still I'm I'm not even sure what all I'm feeling off of this thing. Yeah. But I won and that was a big goal going in. Yeah. yeah. And I and I did it. Like I ran the race, mm-hmm. which I hadn't done in in over a year. And mm-hmm. that was a big goal going in. So yeah. there was a lot of success on, on that side. Yeah. And I think you just have to kind of look at the successes of this for, for now. I mean, there's always room for improvement, of course. There's but... room for improvement in every race. There's, yeah. it's almost impossible to find a race that, uh, <laughs> that anybody who, who ran it looks back at and goes, yep, that was exactly perfect. Mm-hmm. Like it's just not going to happen. Yeah. I'm very happy with my race though. Yes. Yes. Your race went phenomenal. What, uh, what were you thinking as you started? You kind of got like rushed into the crowd and you had no warm up at all, right? No warm up at all. No. I, I, I like was. Were you still there. wearing a poncho when they yes. said start? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. I wore the poncho the, for the first a good half a mile to. I think I got rid of it before the one mile mark. Okay. But yeah, I was wearing the poncho on the starting line. The whole thing just kind of felt surreal to me. Like we were there, you know, kind of partying the day before with friends in the pool because we had a couple friends whose birthdays. And and then it just, the whole thing was just surreal feeling, like with the wind and the weather and the ponchos and, the, you know. The race was very, it, like it there were so many people. It was a very different race than anything I've I've done before. Yeah. Like traveling with a group that large of having, knowing so many people in the race. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. So I just kind of like stood on the starting line and I was like, okay, well, let's see what happens. Like that was kind of my attitude going and I at that point had just let go of the things that I had wanted to happen. I let go of my PR. I decided that if it was going to happen, then great. But if it didn't happen, then, you know, today wasn't the day for it. Yeah. So I decided to just... Which is usually the best way you race. Yeah. Well, apparently that's definitely true. So... I basically just decided to run by feel and run by effort level without worrying about my pace because I did not know what the weather was going to be like out on the course and I did not want to be so consumed by my pace that I was missing out on the course and everything else. And one thing that I think is is super interesting is that I always used to run races with headphones. And now the last couple races I run, I don't wear headphones anymore. And I like it so much better. You can tune into yourself and the the race. You can literally tune into the feel of the race. Yes. And that's what I was doing. So I was just taking the energy. So anyway, so we started the race and... I just decided that I was going to go by effort. And so I was pushing it to like a a medium effort level. And my watch, like, you know, mile one, I hit right on my original target pace because like I was going to shoot for like 840 to 845 and just kind of see how long I could hang on. The first mile was like an 839. And then I kept going. I, I was feeling really good. Like I was running with my friend. I had a smile on my face. Like we were puddle jumping, like trying to, <laughs> like it, it was literally like you're trying to weave in and out of puddles. And it, it, there was a lot going on to distract me from, you know, the actual running portion. There which was is, a lot which to is look, nice. Yeah. Like there was a lot of um, spectators and things to look at around on the street. There was roosters running around the streets <laughs> with us of QS. So. I'm not going to lie. I was not spotting <laughs> roosters. I did find some people cheering off on the sidelines. Yeah. Um, I, I figured out the name of the guys that were running around me at the mm, beginning of it. Mm. Um, we passed Irish Kevin's, the bar, and I, I go to the guy running next to me. I go, Hey, look, it's my bar. Mm -hmm. I I made him laugh. (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah. So then, uh, mile two and three, I split (laughs) mile two and three, two and three. I looked down and I split like an eight Oh nine and an eight Oh eight. And I was like, that's interesting. Like that was literally the thought when mile two hit, I was like, well, that's interesting. And so I really did just take it as a complete 
experiment to see what I was capable of because I had my friends in my head, my training partners that keep telling me you're faster than that, you're faster than that, you're, you know, you're capable of so much more than you give yourself credit for. And I just go by my training and what you tell me to do. And, you know, my I know that my training has gone really well. Like every workout I hit pretty much. Like I don't I don't think I had like a bad workout in this cycle. Um, so I knew I was in good shape to do this, but I wasn't sure exactly what that meant. And so when I hit those paces, I was like, huh, okay. Because if I had been super concerned about my pace, then I would have deliberately slowed myself down at that point in time thinking that, I was going to blow up in the end, you know, that that was way too fast, that I was just going to totally die in the end. And instead of doing that for some reason, I just kind of smiled and said to myself, well, I'm feeling really good right now, so I'm just going to go with it and see what happens. Because you didn't feel like you were pushing too far. No. You still felt like it was... Like I still it, felt in control. Yes, very much in control. Yeah. And you had done a couple of, of workouts where you kind of kept pushing the pace, like you, you kept dropping the pace. Yeah. And my directions on those workouts yeah, was... Yeah, those dropping pace tempos were really good. And as you dropped the pace and it got like down to your goal pace mm-hmm. or even faster your goal pace, the goal was to still feel in control. Right. That's what you hit in the race is right. you felt in control. Yeah. It doesn't feel comfortable. Like it doesn't no. feel like you're off on a recovery run. It shouldn't. You're racing. Right. It wasn't easy, but it felt... But it was in control. I felt strong and in control. Yeah. Right. And, and so those runs that you gave me, like a lot of times you would give me paces or pace ranges, but there was a lot of things that I also did by effort. And learning what those effort levels felt like, I mean, that is unbelievably huge and like helped me so much in this race. Like, because I would kind of get a range from you. Okay. What, what should my medium pace be? What should my like 5k pace be like and so I would kind of have an idea but then when I went out on my effort runs then I would kind of know what that felt like so that I could try to mimic the pace without being tied to a number on my watch see it's super important when you get into races like this one where you're not sure of what the the weather's going to be you know during the first like half mile there was a guy that I was running near and he was like be careful on this one like he's he had done it repeatedly and he was trying to caution everybody around him be careful because the last three miles everything that you're feeling now is going to be straight into your face Mm -hmm. and that's that's kind of intimidating in the opening half mile of a race to be like, well, this yeah. this might not go well. Yeah. Well, but it's interesting, though, because before, I don't know exactly what allowed me to have the freedom of this race. And I, I honestly, in thinking about it, I think it was because, in a way, I had a built-in excuse. Like, <laughs> nice. If, if this didn't go well, I could easily blame the weather and you the start blamed time so, yes. and this and that. Like, there, I had built-in excuses, like, if this race went poorly. So that gave me the freedom to experiment with it and just go with it and see what happened. And, like, And the mind frame of run the race as a complete experiment and let's see what happens, mm-hmm. it then takes the pressure off. It, it, it was so much more enjoyable. It takes the stress off of you. You're not carrying this extra tension. Yeah. Of you're tied to this number that you have to hit. Exactly. You're just out there running. You were literally out there racing. Yeah. You weren't necessarily racing against a person in front of you, a person behind you. You were just out there racing, Mm -hmm. which is very different than going out there and running against a clock. Yeah. You're not racing against a clock. Mm -mm. You're not. That's a different thing. That's a time trial. Yeah. That's if you're purely going for a, a time and that's all that matters for you, mm-hmm. put yourself on a treadmill, set the pace correct and go. Yeah. You know, or in, there's a lot of people that complain that, that track and field or some of the, the different like um, huge marathons around the world where they put rabbits into the race, that it takes some of the the fun, mm-hmm. some of the interest out of it. Yeah. Like how interesting is a race when you've got this guy getting paid $10,000 to make sure that the pace goes at exactly this pace yeah. for the first 15 miles. Yeah, I think that it really made the race a lot more fun for me. You took the headphones out and you yeah. tuned into both your body and the race around you. Mm-hmm. And suddenly you're racing and racing is exciting. That's cool. I, it's the best part of running. It's the part of running well, that is... Well, it's your best part of running. It's the there part of running that... There are some people that don't like racing. And it's the part of running that if if you're like, ah, oh, I hate running. I like ball sports because there's actual competition. 
tune yourself into a race. Yeah. It that is some pretty serious competition. Mm-hmm. And it's competition with 3,000 other people. Mm-hmm. And everybody's got their own competition. And maybe you're going against that person. You talked about people that you were keying in on, that they were in front of you or behind but, you. But I didn't see them as competition. No, it's just, it's all part of this racing experience yeah. where you're where you're not trying to necessarily beat everyone around you. Mm-hmm. You're trying to make sure that everybody, everybody there is being lifted to an, another level. Yes. Yes. And yes, it'd be cool if you were able to be, and at the end of the race, when you see a finish line, you're going to kick as hard as you possibly can, Mm -hmm. but you want to make sure that you're bringing everybody up. Mm -hmm. You know, I kind of think that the guy who, who ended up finishing second, he ended up running faster than he was going for Mm -hmm. because there was somebody else out there in front. Yeah. I was go, I ended up running at a pretty decent pace because I had no idea how far behind me he was. Mm -hmm. You oh know, there's still, there's some pushing going involved in this. It's yeah. a, there's still racing involved and racing is interesting. Racing is interesting. <laughs> and it, so it was, this whole thing was just such a very interesting experiment for me. And so I'm watching the paces on my watch and I'm holding paces that I would have never expected. You're holding paces for a half yeah. that were faster than the paces you were holding for the 10K right. personal best that you had set. A couple weeks ago. Yeah. yeah. Like a, a month earlier. Yeah. So that, that's pretty impressive that you were able to look down at it and be like, well, this should be an interesting experiment for the day. Right. And it, it's funny though, because that whole first half of the race, I was looking at my watch and, and I was looking at the time and I'm like, okay, Kevin should be around here. So, cause this is really the first big race that you and I have done together too. Cause normally we alternate. Yeah. Normally you know? somebody has got the kids and is cheering for the other right. one. Right. And this is the first time that you and I have raced a, a big race together. Um, so I kept channeling you and thinking about you and where where you were during the race I wonder at what point I'm going to get to see him you know mm-hmm. and so when I and I was excited that it was an out and back course because I knew I was going to get to see you on your way back in and I was just like hoping and praying that you would be in first place you know and so when I first saw those motorcycles like my stomach I just got like a little pit in my stomach and I'm like please be Kevin please be Kevin and and, and there you were right behind the motorcycles and like I swear my heart just like leaped when I saw you I was so excited and so happy and you just look so strong and second place was nowhere to be seen like I'm like looking and I cannot see second place at all and I just was I just started yelling for you I was so excited I was like that's my husband you know and it was so it was that was awesome like that was so amazing to see that it was pretty exciting to to both be in the race and to both run run a a good race, you know, and to be able to look back and be like, how how did you feel at this part of the race? Or what about this thing? Mm -hmm. You know, complaining about the, the quote unquote hill on the Key West course. (laughs) Like we both experienced it. Yeah. You know, we both got to, you know, was, what about that turn? Oh, wasn't it annoying that that U-turn was so sharp? You almost had to stop and turn around. Like we both ran the same race. Mm -hmm. I remember there was a, a person I was coming up on 10 miles mm-hmm. and they were heading out. So they were around three and I heard them say, wow, that's impressive. Mm-hmm. And I turned to them and I said, so are you. Mm-hmm. And they just got this look on their face. Like, really? Like, mm-hmm. yes. Cause you're out there also running a half marathon. Like yeah. we're running different times. Yeah. You know, I'm going to be done and get some food and you're going to still be out there doing it, but we're both covering the exact same course. And it's we're one both of pushing ourselves. We're both pushing ourselves. It's yeah. one of the few sports where everybody, no matter what the level is, has the same thing. Mm-hmm. Like everybody's got the same course of the same distance. It's just, and everybody's pushing themselves. Yeah. It's just how long it takes to cross the finish line. Right. Right. But, so, so yeah. So, I mean that, that course though, I mean, but then after that turnaround and then those winds hit us at like, at, when my friends said they were like 30 mile an hour winds, I thought they were I didn't think they were that strong, but apparently the gusts were like up into like 36 and I'm like, oh my goodness. It was a little windy. Yeah. The the way back right along the water, I was, the guy on the bike on the way out mm. called back to me and said, last year the wind was going so bad that the the water was coming up and hitting the sidewalk. Oh, wow. Like, well, at least it's better than last year. Yeah. That was my thought. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. 
But the, it was still the the sidewalks were all flooded out, and you still had to like weave around and try to find a, a dry path to run. And so then at that point in time, when I was fighting the wind, that's when my calves started cramping up on me, and I just was like, "Oh no! Like don't blow up! Like just keep it under nine! Like that was I just kept repeating that. And then I found a pack of runners that were all kind of running like an eight fifty pace, and so I just jumped right behind them, and I'm like, "Just stay with them! Like don't let them get a, get away from you!" Like. Like, and so it was just, I kept just trying to refocus on different things and use different tactics and try to breathe. I was like, breathe into your calves. Your calves are going to relax. <laughs> I was trying to like use my yoga, like breathing to like try to relax my calves so they wouldn't just completely seize up on me. Yeah, we got to figure out what, what that was. But I feel like a good chunk of it was probably puddle hopping. Like yeah. the fact that you were going more lateral than you normally would have gone, yeah. like you were going up on your toes and then trying not to hit that puddle. So then you'd have right. to like land gently on your toe. Mm-hmm. That's a lot more on your toes than you normally run. True. Much more on your toes than yeah, you normally that's run. True. So maybe I, I probably need to strengthen my calves some more too. So, but yeah, so I definitely um, took a lot of really great things away from this race. And the first one, I think, was running by feel and effort level and understanding what that effort level should feel like, even if my pace is telling me something different. And I think that applies for both going faster than you expect and going slower than you expect. And we've talked about that many times in the podcast on about how some days you can go out there and you're feeling good and you're able to run one pace and there's some days that you run out, you know, you're going for a run and you haven't slept and you haven't eaten well and things, you know, don't feel well, like that same pace is going to feel a lot harder. And so your effort level is going to be a much slower pace to to maintain the same effort level. But it's really nice when it works out that your effort level actually is a faster pace than you expect and that I I didn't even know I was capable of doing that. Like I, I knew I was capable of a PR, but I didn't realize I had that much in me, you know, to, to be able to run that pace for the first half of the race and then not completely just die at this at the second half. Like I definitely slowed down during the second half, but all of my mile splits were under nine. Yeah, you slowed down in the second half, but the second half was also the rougher part of the course in right. terms of wind, mm-hmm. in terms of negotiating puddles. Yeah. Um, like it, the second half just was the the rougher Harder. half of the race. Yeah. It, it, it was. So mm-hmm. you were naturally going to slow down just because of the course itself. Yeah. Um, you know, and yeah, in terms of like coaching on an absolute level, you could suggest, well, if you had taken these miles just a little bit easier, then you might not have have slowed down quite as much at the end and you right. might have ended up ahead. It, you and I ran remarkably similar races, actually, really? in terms of pacing. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Oh, yeah, because you sped up in those like like two through four also, right? Yeah, like two, two, three, four. I just kept pushing the pace mm-hmm. and trying to make sure that the guy behind me stayed the guy behind me. Yeah. Like I knew what he wanted to run. I knew what I was capable of running. That was the difference is like I stayed pretty close to where I wanted to be. I was knocking off like 520s, mm-hmm. which was like aggressive, but not like, wow, this might go really poorly. Mm-hmm. But, you know, when you said that, I took off. He hung with me for a little bit of time. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, we hit another mile split and he goes, all right, you have fun with that. And I turn back over my shoulder and I go, I don't know. We'll have to see if the wind's real bad. This is a bad idea what I'm doing right now. <laughs> With the mindset of... That's an interesting experiment. Yeah. Yeah. Let's see, because I might be winning the race right now, or you might pass me somewhere around mile 10 where I'm just walking off on the side of the road because I can't do it anymore. Right. But I gave it a shot. Yeah. And I think that was my best shot of going up against that guy. Mm -hmm. And I think it, it, it also proves that running is an experiment. Like, it proved that to me. Like, And, you know, the fact that you're telling me that that actually... What I did was actually racing. That's pretty exciting for me too. And like, <laughs> but just seeing it as a total experiment and okay, let's see, let's see what I can do. Like 
I didn't freak out when my mile split, you know, came across my watch way faster than I would have expected. I mean, like, I think I split like an 808 in like a 5K that I ran a couple, you know, a couple months ago. Yeah. So, and that was like mile two (laughs) of the half marathon. So, you know, one single mile doesn't determine the outcome of the entire race. Like, could it have changed the race? I mean, possibly. You know, I mean, yeah, I mean, it, it, it could have gone poorly, but you can't panic on anything. You right. can't get overly excited whether that, that mile is a little bit too fast or a little bit too slow yeah. for several reasons. One, what your watch said might not have been an exact mile, because I don't know about yours, but the mile marks and my watch, oh, they, were totally off. they started disagreeing with each other at mile two. Yeah. But they were consistently, like I was mm-hmm. always just about the same distance short of the short, mile marks yep. through the whole thing. Until it got to, at one point, it, they started getting closer. I forget which point it was. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but you can't panic because... Yeah. It's it, you can run within a range. So mm. if you're trying to hit, say, like an eight thirty, and you hit an eight twenty five, that's within range. Totally. But maybe eight twenty starts yeah, getting a little bit. Eight oh eight's not exactly in the range of eight forty. Eight oh eight was not exactly in that <laughs> range. But like this is this is exactly the difference between running for a time and racing. Yeah. Racing is an experiment. If you want to race and see what you can really do, you have to put it out there that this is an experiment, which leads to one of the biggest issues of racing is you have to be completely willing to to have it blow up in your face. To fail. Yeah. You have to be willing to fail. And I think that was was something that was so freeing for me is that (laughs) I was totally willing to totally fail on this. And like, I completely accepted that failure was an option in this race because... I also, like I said, I think that part of it was because I had built-in you excuses. Had, you had really built-in excuses. I had very built-in excuses. So it it gave me that freedom. Like, I could have blamed the wind. I could have, there's so much I could have blamed if this race went poorly. So yeah, I just went for it. You're right. Like, there were a lot of people that asked if I was going to win, but there were some built-in excuses. Yeah. Of, ah, I don't know. That kid's 28 and doesn't have two kids. And yeah. He's, <laughs> he's on Key West, like, with vacation with his wife, not his kids. And there's a lot of things that I could have just pointed to. Yeah. Um, but I, I went for it and Mm -hmm. it turned out that it was, it was going well. Yeah. I don't know. I I guess it's racing. Yeah. And I think that that also points out the benefit of racing, like the benefits of race day, like running in a race. Like I was listening to a podcast earlier today, um, and Alex Hutchinson was the guest on it and he was talking about, he's one of my favorites. Yeah. And he was talking about how he is capable of so much more in a race than just out in training. And he doesn't know what it is, but just as soon as he gets into a race, it's maybe it's the energy of the crowd. Maybe it's the competitors, like whatever it is, he's just, he knows that he's capable of just doing so much more on race day. Yeah, I bet he does not race with headphones in. Probably not. <laughs> he tunes into around him. Probably. The, the exci- as long as the environment of the race does not overwhelm you and make you terrified. Mm-hmm. If you can keep it as interesting and an experiment, mm-hmm. then no matter what level you're at, it's just a check to see what are you capable of doing yeah. on that day. I wonder what I've got. And then everything around you is excitement, mm-hmm. you know, which is exactly what we said on the podcast last week. It's not anxiety. It's not nerves. It's excitement. Yeah. It's what could happen today. Mm-hmm. It's a whole different mind frame than I have to do this today. Yeah. You know, if you're looking at a number, that's, that's a carved in stone. I have to hit this time. Yeah. So if things don't start going well for you, you could fall off real quick. Mm-hmm. You know, if you told yourself that you had to hit 840s and you hit an 808, you're going to panic. Yeah. If you told yourself that you had to hit 840s and the race went the other direction and yeah. you hit that like wall of 30 mile an hour winds yeah. early and you hit a nine, right. you're going to freak out and have to start like pushing really hard. Yeah. That's going to go poorly. Mm-hmm. Just go out there, have a, have a wide range of possibilities. Yeah. And if it if you're even outside of that range, maybe slightly dial it in. But if you're feeling like you're at the right effort level, and that's what you said, practice the effort levels. Practice, so yeah. you know what it feels like, regardless of what the clock says. Yeah. You know what that effort should feel like. Mm-hmm. And on race day, you've got the you got sleeping going correctly. I carboloaded the heck out of the weekend. <laughs> 
you know, I had I, I carbo loaded and caffeine hit it for the day. Like yeah. I was I was feeling awesome at mile three. Yeah. And by the end, I kind of wish that I had pushed a little bit harder towards the end. But man, on those first few miles, I felt good as I was knocking out knocking them off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that my eating strategy helped too because I w- I did not carbo load per se. Like I ate more carbohydrates than I normally. eat eat but I didn't do like what you do like you eat like 80% carbs I'm through the roof like multiple days out I, and... I need another bowl of oatmeal yeah. <laughs> <laughs> can I please have carbs with a side of carbs yeah like I think my lunch the one day was like pasta with a side of a sweet potato yeah like that's just ridiculous yeah and so but like I kept my eating pretty pretty even and I just added in like an extra serving of carbs um at one or, or a couple meals that day like in, but I still kept with my protein and my vegetables and like my normal way of eating I just added in a little extra carbs you didn't do much differently that week Mm-mm. like your training was pretty much the same timeline of yeah. how you train yeah it just pulled back a little bit mm-hmm. on volume but not much at all mm-hmm. like it really kind of what I like to refer to as the the density of training. Like you had a little extra recovery because you weren't hitting quite as much volume of speed. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't this new speed that you weren't used to. Yeah. Everything was pretty much in line with what you'd been doing. Mm-hmm. That seems to work a lot better for you than some like crazy taper. Yeah. Like if you look up online half marathon tapering strategy, if you follow that thing to the letter – you would, I don't think that you would ever race well. Well, and and we've, and again, that goes back to racing as an experiment because we've tried that with me before. Like you, you've said this to me multiple times going into the last like couple weeks of training is you're like, you don't do well with a taper. And I'm like, Oh, I don't. And you're like, no, you don't. We've, we've tapered you before and it's (laughs) not, (laughs) it did not go well with you. And I'm like, Oh, okay. So we didn't really change my volume that much. Like my long run the week before we went down you know, it was a an eight mile run. Yeah, we and, cut your long run. That was yeah. pretty much the, the big the big right. adjustment. And I didn't really cut my distances. I was doing like sixes um, during the week. I was I stuck with fives basically. I, I didn't cut the the distance total distances down. But like you said, I cut the intensity of the speed work the week before the race. Yep, and um, the the volume of the speed work within my run. Yeah, but you instead so I was only of a, doing two miles of speed work. But instead of a six, you hit a five. Yeah. That's that's not a huge difference. If you look for like standard things, it's mm-hmm. like on the week before, cut it by fifty percent, and then on the week of cut it by another fifty percent. Right. You'd be out there for like a mile and a half. No. Like that's that's you're just gonna feel lethargic and done. Yeah. So yeah, you go you have a whole different tapering strategy and it works. So we're gonna kinda keep looking back on this one towards mm-hmm. future races as this seems to work well for you. Yeah, this this one seemed to work well. And And then hope that, you know, crazy storms blow in for every other future race. <laughs> to take all the pressure off. You're delayed by two hours. <laughs> There's a bunch of people in fluorescent green shirts just cheering and screaming throughout that the whole race. That was so much fun. I mean, I had my running crew here and seeing them all running and giving people high fives and I was getting to cheer. It, that was so much fun. That was such a welcome distraction for the, from those wins too because that was the really tough part for me. I, it was distracting me. I I feel bad because I ran past several people. It, at first, I saw you. You know, I definitely like waved and, and thumbs up and everything for you. That's my big move. So lots of lots of thumbs up as I run. Mm-hmm. And people were cheering like, "Go, Kevin!" And then they would cheer it. And then like twenty people around them would be like, "Wait, you know him? We know his name. Go, Kevin!" Yeah. Like, oh, okay, cool. So then I throw a thumbs up. At one point, I was like, okay, this is a lot of people screaming, and I'm trying to dodge puddles. So then I felt kind of bad because I was, like, ignoring people who were yelling out. So I was just, like, running with both my hands perpetually and thumbs up. Just... <laughs> but but there was, like, the sidewalk was flooded out, so I'm just trying to get through people, too. Yeah. So, um, but it was it was a very interesting race with to be out and back and know so many people on the way back in mm. was kind of a, an interesting experience. It was really fun. Yes. Yeah. Interesting. Yes. <laughs> you say interesting. I say it was awesome. Like I <laughs> loved it. <laughs> so, so yeah. So I think that like our, our major takeaways, my major takeaways from this race are definitely running by effort level on race day and being willing to just go for it and not worry about exactly what pace you're hitting, exactly what time you're hitting, like seeing running as an experiment, but an experiment that you have 
prepared for you know i mean it's like a a good science experiment you don't just like throw a bunch of variables in and hope something good comes out of it if you do a good science experiment you try to control for as much as you can and you train like i trained my body to understand what certain paces felt like and what certain effort levels felt like thanks to my amazing coach (laughs) but i think that it was so important like there are some people that run only by effort, you know, and, and then there are some people that run only by pacing and we tend to do our running and the way that we coach our athletes is a combination of the, of the two. And I've, I found that that really helped me in, in the race this weekend is, is I, I've trained what running by feel is like, and I've trained what certain paces feel like and the combination of the two, to me, just married very well in the race this weekend. Yeah, I, the combo is is really helpful. Yeah, it's why I like to do a lot of my workouts on a treadmill because mm-hmm. then I know exactly what the time is. Mm-hmm. But on a lot of like fartlek training, interval training, like I'm going to do four minutes medium and two minutes easy. Yeah, I don't even know what any of that pace is. Like I just go. I push for four. I push to a medium, or I push to a little bit harder than that, or I mm-hmm. push really aggressive. Like whatever it is. Like I've got all these different paces that I can sort of dial in on yeah and it's all variable off of what what it feels like on that day or whether it's five o'clock in the morning and pitch black and I can't see the path or it's cold and and windy or it's the middle of the afternoon and beautiful and sunny like it's all variable it's all effort Mm -hmm. on that stuff yeah whereas you know a treadmill is real controlled conditions Mm -hmm. so what do you think like what would you say if there is someone out there that's trying to hit a very specific time, like a Boston qualifying time, or, you know, they have like a specific goal that they want to hit. Like, you know, how does this episode apply to that person? I think if you are really going for a very specific time, um, because I've done this myself of like, there's certain times that I'm really, really want to be going for. I train. Because if you're, if you're trying to Boston qualify, like that's a real time that you're trying to hit like that's not just some arbitrary time you know that that that's what the boston athletic association is telling you you have to run yes yes it is yes um it's still still arbitrary but it's arbitrarily put there by the boston athletic association people that are going to tell you no you cannot run this race but this is the thing is just because you boston qualified does not even mean you're getting in now you have to boston qualify by like three plus minutes the standards i know but they like for a while you couldn't just hit it and be excited about that then you had to hit it and check and see if you got it so i suggest if you've got a time goal that you're aiming for to train to be able to beat that time goal by several minutes Mm -hmm. so that you give yourself that buffer Mm -hmm. you know if you're trying to break two hours for a marathon aim to run a 155 right you know and depending on on how long the distance is you know if you're if you're aiming for a 5k and you're trying to break you know 20 minutes in the 5k don't aim for 15. That's mm. ridiculous. But aim for 19, 19, 20, something mm. like that. So that you're training at a higher level. It gives you this buffer. It gives you this comfort level mm. of even if things don't go great, I can fall back and I can still probably be within myself. You know, don't necessarily hit everything knowing that you've got to be exactly on this pace on all workouts. Yeah. You know, you want to have some variability in your workouts so that it opens yourself up to if things are going better or if things aren't going as well, it gives you some gray area to work with. Mm-hmm. And that still applies to then running by the effort level. And it still applies to running by the effort level then. Yes, mm-hmm. the the time matters, but you know, if you're going and you, you've, you've signed up for a certain race and it has to be that race to Boston qualify and you get smacked with, I don't know, say the weather from last year, Boston, Yeah, you're not Boston qualifying in that and you have to accept that. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure there were plenty of people who tried to like re Boston qualify with Boston and they couldn't do it because that thing was ridiculous. Yeah. You have to accept the conditions and look at the, you know, like we always say, the the long the journey picture. of running. This yeah. is not one race. This is a race along your big giant timeline. Mm-hmm. And I know for Boston qualifying or whatever the, the certain races that you're having trying to hit a time for to get into, there's there's a time window that you've got to hit it. Yeah. But look at look at the big picture. Look at your health and your fitness level relative to where it used to be. And still be able to smile even if you miss out on certain times, Mm -hmm. which 
I very much struggle with myself. Okay, <laughs> don't get me wrong. It's it's not just as easy as saying, well, just smile anyway. It'll be okay if you didn't Boston qualify by 30 seconds. Right. No, it won't. Like, that's going to sting. Right. But big picture, look how healthy you are. Look how fit you are compared to a lot of people around you. Mm-hmm. That's pretty impressive. Yeah. And don't be afraid to fail. Yes, and don't be afraid to fail. Yeah. That was, that was my big lesson on day one of track season. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What did you tell your, tell, tell I, them? My, my lesson, I, I got this group of predominantly like freshmen and sophomore out there. And, uh, I said on this team, failure is not an option. And I have some of my returning runners that kind of like snickered because I heard the, I heard them snicker and kind of like turn to each other and whisper. And I know exactly what they were saying. It was like, um, I told coach I'm a sprinter and I know for a fact that I don't sprint very fast. So failure is probably going to happen during this season. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I paused. I said, failure is not an option on this team. Failure is a requirement. Mm-hmm. And I got these freshmen out there that are like, I've never had a coach tell me that I have to fail. Mm-hmm. You know, you get so many coaches out there that is like, you have to do this winning at all costs. Like no matter what you will succeed. Like, no, you're probably going to fail. Mm-hmm. That means you're doing it right. Yeah. You know, if you've set a goal so that you've accomplished every goal you've ever put out there, set higher goals. Yeah. Like you're not reaching high enough. If you've accomplished all of your goals, mm-hmm. reach higher yeah. so that failure is not an option. It's a, it's a high, high likelihood. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because that's how you're going to succeed is through failing. That's how you get big success. Yeah. Unless you actually fail, you're never getting big success. It's very true. Very, very true. So, okay. I think it's probably, we're coming up on time here. We should probably wrap this up. I think so. Get this all published to go out to everybody tomorrow. So, (laughs) all right. So be willing to fail. Go out and see running as an experiment. Learn how to run by effort. It, It was really a lot of fun. So anyway, thank you guys for joining us today. And Go check out our website, realliferunners.com. We have lots of great stuff for you guys over there, including some uh, beginner speed workouts, some strength workouts. If you're interested in integrating some strength training into your running routine, that definitely helps to keep those injuries at bay. So if you want to check out some of the resources that we have for you, you can go over to realliferunners.com and get all the stuff that you want over there. As always, thank you for joining us, and we'll talk to you next week. If you're ready to have more fun and achieve the goals that matter to you without sacrificing the rest of your life in the process, this message is for you. Maybe you're feeling confused or frustrated because you're not making the progress you want, even though you're running three times per week or more. Maybe you're feeling tired or sore all the time because you're pushing harder every day trying to get better. Maybe you want to run longer, but every time you run a couple of miles, that nagging knee pain starts to act up again. Maybe you've been told that you should probably stop running so much because you're getting older, but you refuse to accept that and want to find a way to continue to improve in your 40s, 50s, and beyond. Maybe you just feel like you're winging it every day and want to start working towards a goal. You want to feel better and be able to make progress in your running as you get older. And if you're like us and the other runners we work with, you want your running to help you become stronger and more resilient in all other areas of your life too. Plus, you need something that fits in your real life that is simple, easy to understand, and effective. Don't worry, we've got you. If you're ready to transform into a strong, confident, and successful real-life runner, The Real Life Runners Academy has everything you need. It includes training plans, coaching, and programs that will teach you how to run faster, run longer, feel better, and accomplish your goals. Check it out today over at realliferunners.com forward slash academy. Enrollment will be opening soon, so be sure to join the wait list so that you can be notified when doors are open. It's time to run your life.